This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this week's No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me today are Natalie, James and Kevin to go over two games, both at Turf Mortino win over Rotherham United and a 1-0 win over Nottingham Forest on Tuesday night. Results that leave Burnley in second place in the Championship table, although Hull and Middlesbrough do both have games in hand. We'll start with Saturday's game then, Rotherham the visitors to Turf Moor. James, 2-0 on paper looks quite comfortable. Was it that comfortable? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say it was reasonably comfortable. I mean... Um... Obviously, I'd, I'd say when that standard of opponent came, you probably expect us to do a little bit, a little bit more than we did. But um, I don't think we ever looked at real risk of of not being, you know, of, of losing points at least. We were talking on the podcast last week about it being a possible return for the Andre Gray hat trick, but he missed an early chance, and he, he seems to be not quite on his game at the moment, doesn't he, Natalie? Yeah, that's a fair comment. We have seen quite a few. Um, Criticism, maybe that's a harsh word, but certainly some concerned comments being posted about Gray's current form. Um, I don't think it's unduly negative to point out that he's clearly on um, a dip in form over the last, I'd say, probably three games. He hasn't looked himself. Um, it, it was quite interesting, really, in that I, I thought I thought he tried quite hard. Um, I thought you know his effort was there at the Rotherham game on Saturday. Uh, I'm sure we'll come on to this later on when we start talking about the Forest game. But you know, I think it was a different kind of dip in performance. You know, with Forest, he didn't, didn't really seem to have any desire or effort there either. Uh, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I think it's just one of those dips that players get from time to time, and I'm sure he'll be absolutely fine. I think it's quite interesting to uh, to look at uh, a great form alongside uh, Vox's form. Because um, you look at Gray, who scored, I think it's one in six now, something like that. Um, and then, but when you look at Vox and he's scored, he, he's on fire at the moment. And it's almost like I think, if I remember correctly, when we got promoted, it was similar with uh, with Ings and Ings and Vox. But when Ings was scoring, Vox wasn't so much. And then when Ings would have a dip in form, Vox would come up and score. And it seems like the same is happening again. Because as soon as um, Gray's stopped scoring, um, that's when Vox has really really started finding that on a regular basis, which is something he's, he's struggled for this season, um, which is a nice luxury to have when you've got one former, uh, one striker who's not finding it as much as he was doing. I suppose, ideally, both strikers would be scoring all the time, but probably be a bit greedy. Yeah, I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if maybe something related to, uh, you know, related to confidence, whereas um, when when Gray's scoring, scoring goals, he, he may be a bit more greedy and go for it himself, whereas 
if he if he's not scoring, maybe that confidence dips at two percent, where he's maybe a little bit le- a bit more um, selfless and, and plays a ball about a bit more. Um, I don't know, but you know, there must be some reason behind it, I guess. We talk about Gray not being at his best, James, but even in the the Rotherham game, where it's fair to say he wasn't putting in his best performance, he still managed to set up Scott Arfield for the the second goal that clinched it in the end. And Arfield's one who certainly steps up his form, and he's getting regular goals again now. Yeah, I, I don't think he's actually um, you know playing bad football at all. I think it's just a case of he, he just seems to be missing a little bit of something in front of goal. Um, you know, and I think chances that normally you'd expect him to score is is He's fluffing, um, but I think a lot of the rest of his play is still, you know, very good. I mean, um, he, you know, he's created a few chances. There was one on Saturday where he's he should have maybe set Volks up, but I think he's overhit it a little bit. But you know, it, it wasn't a massive mistake. It wasn't, you know, the, the mistakes when he's playing badly makes. It was just, you know, simple overhit pass. But the, the right idea was there. So I think you know, he's playing good football, but it's just there's some chances that are coming his way and he's not he's not finishing what you'd expect him to. I think as well as the goal on Saturday, was, he, he was also heavily involved in the in the goal against Forest on Tuesday as well with a very clever um, through ball to Ward in the box. So that, you know, that's, that's two assists in two games, which, uh, OK, maybe not direct assist for, on, on Tuesday, but he was certainly heavily involved, so you can't complain too much about that. It's probably partly expectation, isn't it, Natalie? Just the the amount of goals he's been scoring this season. He's still the top scorer in the championship. He doesn't score for a couple of games, and everyone starts to get a bit worried about his form and saying he's not playing that well. True, but is that not the Burnley fan way? It's, it's way definitely the Burnley fan way. <laughs> yeah. I was saying this to some of the guys I sit with at the football last night. It's and they were unduly getting on on um, on Gray's back and I, I agree with Birdie I don't think he's playing particularly bad it's just his usual form that we're used to has dipped slightly um, but we do that and I remember in, in promotion year we did this with in fact actually last year as well we did this with Danny all the time Ings was a really emotional player we know he is and if he misses an opportunity in the first five minutes that I said his head would go um, for the next you know 90 minutes and he was really affected by the slightest off bit in his game and Burnley fans were so quick to dive on, on Danny's back if he had any kind of dip in form as well and I just think I wonder whether psycho- psychologically we don't get players like this very often at Burnley, historically anyway. And when we do get an absolute gem like this, and it's a pleasure to watch, it's almost like when when they have a dip in form and we not don't see it again, we start getting all, oh, you know, he's lost it. And it's almost like a clinging thing where we, we just want them to play that well because we're just not used to it and we like having it there. Yeah, I think the thing with Ings was, was tainted by his contract situation as well. I think with that going on, everything that he did was, was seen through that sort of prism. Um, to come back to the, the Rotherham game, Sam Volk stepped up to take the penalty, James. Any surprises? I, I think the arrangement, what's the arrangement? Something like if Gray's involved in winning the penalty, he gets to take it. That That's what I've heard. And I've been trying to think, because I'm sure that I've seen somewhere, um, you know, Gray's taken it and not won it but um, it's obviously it's quite a bit of effort to go back and check that isn't it but apparently it, it is that you know if Gray Gray's part of winning it he gets to take it otherwise Volks takes it um, I think it doesn't matter does it really as long as they, they score them to be honest and uh, it was a confident penalty um, Do you think there was any doubt up? to me it looked like it, it was a bad challenge by Doyley on Boyd I thought he was lucky not to be sent off but 
don't often see red cards and penalties unless it's a a, a last man type situation. I, I I don't think there's any doubt it's a penalty. Um, they seem to be trying to claim it was outside the area. It's definitely I, inside the area. Which I see. Boy definitely jumps further inside the area, <laughs> but the contact's definitely inside the box. Yeah, I think I think their argument was there was a there was a scuff in the there was a scuff on the on the field, wasn't there? Just outside the box, and Doyle was trying to claim that was from the the tackle, but it clearly wasn't because the the, the 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 touch was. The contact was uh, was was clearly uh, in the box. Neil Warnock, of course, the the Rotherham manager, Natalie. It was a typical Warnock team performance, wasn't it? They were quite bitty and br- brought the game up and made it quite hard for us at times. Certainly did. It was exactly what we expected from a Warnock side, which is it's a massive shame because I've always really liked Rotherham as a club. They've always been just a nice club with nice fans. You always have a great away day there, and then they pointed Warnock, and he just. Just straight away, he's turned the side into a horrible, niggling, nasty side, and it it was quite disappointing, really. Um, I, I just, for me, Warnock's had his day now. Um, his his management style and his tactics and his and everything that he brings to the game, I just don't think there's any place for in this in the modern game. And it felt like we've been catapulted back to the old Division Four games, which were just like Sunday League stuff, and he will argue that he set that up to stop us from playing football and it worked. You know, the ball was just going from defence straight across, you know, missing midfield altogether and straight to the forward guys. It was so bitty and it was in the air. And in that sense, I guess he he will argue, well, it worked and I stopped them playing. But as a spectacle to watch, it was dull as anything. Doesn't he, uh, hasn't he got Bunny Jepsen back with him now as well? As well. Uh, and Kevin Blackwell as well. It's definitely a... Uh, he does. All- Old boys brigade bear, isn't it? It is. Well, it is. It is. It's like it's like like ten years ago tactics, isn't it? On a bench, and they don't. Stri- and this is maybe unduly harsh, but they don't strike me as a as a bench full of, of technicians who are all fair with the modern game and are going to pay- play flare passing football, do they? Definitely not. No. One of the big talking points from the game, then James, was an injury to to Michael King. We just talked about. Rotherham being quite physical and it was from quite a physical challenge in the box that he picked up the head injury um, but it provided a chance for us to get a look at, at James Tarkovsky what did you make of his performance? Yeah I, I thought he was really good and um, on, on Keane I thought it was um, it was good to see a player taken out of the game straight away when it, you know, it looked like he, he could be concussed because that's not something I think football's really you know got a grip on yet and obviously two players went off with suspected concussions so I thought that was you know, good foresight to make sure obviously no one was putting themselves at risk. But I think it was a tough situation for Tarkovsky to come into, you know. Um Keane's been the 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 one constant at centre back all season. He hadn't missed a minute, um, had he, until he went off on No, I, you know, I, I think he he's been very good. You know, he's been very good for the team. Um obviously Ben Mee's only recently come back into centre back after not playing there for a long time. So I thought as well as Tarkovsky playing you know, really well in his first appearance. I thought it was really good to see Ben Mee step up and be the person organising the defence because obviously he was then the veteran presence, really. I think uh, Sean Dash described Mee's performance on Saturday as like a head on a stick. Still not really sure what that means a few days later. Um, Natalie, one aspect of Tarkovsky's play that I've seen mentioned quite a bit is he's, he's willing to play long balls out from the back but not punts down the field, trying to switch the play and 
get the ball forward accurately early, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and it's something that I would agree with. He's he's not a hoofer at all. Um, yes, he does play longer balls. He's, he, you know, we are quite used to seeing the short pass around the back, including Heaton as well, and just sort of just taking the time to compose themselves and think about, you know, what forward move they're going to make. Tarkovsky is a little bit different. He, it's almost it's a bit like Barton actually how he plays as well. He, he'll he's automatically looking forward when he's got the ball. And he just places these these perfect balls. And I was really impressed with his passing game, uh, both on Saturday and last night as well. Um, you know, he, he just he creates some space that we've maybe not seen coming out of defence for a while. I suppose the, the most important thing, Kevin, is that we kept the clean sheet despite having that disruption at the back. Um, yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's a, a long spell without conceding a goal now, which is, which is excellent, um, particularly when, we're, when we've been scoring quite a few goals at River End um, this season as well. Um, often, if you're scoring goals, you can open up a bit and conceive them as well. But we're, we're, we're really strong at the back. And that's obviously been the backbone of when we got promoted. Uh, when we got promoted, we had such a strong defence. Um, and it's, it's one of those things, if you... Uh, at the moment, I think the team feels if we can get a goal, we're going to win the game because we're not going to concede. And that's, uh, that's an excellent position to be in. That's absolutely how it feels. I mean, we'll come on to Forest in more detail, but... As soon as as we scored, I felt like, oh, that's it, we've won the game, even though there was nearly half an hour left or something, I was that confident that we weren't going to concede. Um, James, one little thing from Saturday's game, Rotherham only had one shot on target, I think, but they did have a really big chance at 1-0, not long before we got the second. Do we need to, to start killing teams off a bit more, or are you confident enough that one goal is going to be enough in a lot of these games? You know, I think that, that chance... You know, I think my pet cat could have scored it if you could get yourself in that position. And it, it was a massive chance that he missed. And I think, you know, if he does score, maybe it does change the game considerably. But beyond that, I I don't I don't think there'd been a lot of doubt that we were going to win that game. But I think we do need to to get back to where when we're playing teams, you know, maybe if Rotherham standards, we were putting four past them. Um but I think that you know that comes maybe with Andre Gray taking some of these chances that he's not necessarily taken recently, um, because in I think in those type of games, if you take you know you got your first goal and then you take another chance, I think it can start to snowball from there, can't it? And you know the confidence comes with more goals, and next thing you know it's it's four or five. Um, so I think you know if Andre Gray can get back into to form in front of goal and start taking those chances, maybe we can start building much bigger leads at home and uh, you know kill these games off pretty early. It's nitpicking really, isn't it, to, to complain that 2-0 wasn't more comfortable. Uh, Natalie, moving on to the, the Forest game, and Sam Bolt's on the score sheet again. He's in a really good run of form, 10 goals for the season now. and We've talked about him being back to his best, but there's no doubt about that now, is there? No doubt at all. He was really, really good last night. Um, the, the whole team performance last night was impressive. I... I think the first half last night was one of the most one of the best halves of football that we've seen all season. Sure we didn't score and you know that you know we missed a couple of chances, but the passing game was absolutely sublime last night. That first half, Forrest didn't get a kick. Um and they they literally were just didn't know how to handle us at all. And you know, it's it's interesting you mentioned killing, you know, teams off a moment ago. I think if we'd have scored one in the early stages of the first half last night, we could have easily had a game last night where it was three or four nil again. Um Vox ran the short front and one point I just wanted to, to pick up on um what we talked about earlier, because I think 
Um, Forrest did this quite well last night. One one explanation as well for the swapping when Gray stops scoring, Vokes um, picks it up and vice versa. We've seen a lot recently of teams, defences coming and doing a real job on Gray and just trying to man-mark him out of, of the, the game. And I think Forrest did that last night. You know, They always had players around him and they gave him very, very little space. But all that happens is that it gives Vokes so much freedom and he's good at creating spaces for himself anyway. So I think last night... Volks, as well as playing well, just saw himself saw for himself an opportunity just to have a free reign. Just because Volk, uh, sorry, Grade been marked out of the game. They seem to complement themselves really well, don't they, Kevin? I mean, partnerships take a while to to gel, but the, I suppose Volks and Gray is never going to work quite as well as Volks and Ings did. But they're certainly scoring enough goals and they're working together as a team really well. Yeah, definitely. I think the I think like like Netley mentioned the the way the team works with with both of them together. I think they, it, it works. It just it fits in really nicely. Um, I think their their styles of games complement each other. And while yeah, like you said, they're not quite on the on the the Vings level. Um, it, it's more of a, the best style of play. I think with with Danny Ings, it was more they had a really strong connection between the two, and it's almost like they knew exactly what the other was going to do all the time. And, that's not quite here uh, there with these two, but I think they, the, the style of play suits each other really, really well. Um, and like Natalie says, um, I think where Gray pulls the defenders away um, and Vox has been able to slip, slip into that space a few times in the last few games. And similarly, Gray is really good at getting on the end of um, of Sam Balls. Uh, Sam Balls? Sam Vox. Uh... <laughs> I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, uh, yeah let's move on from Sandballs. <laughs> James, that's four clean sheets in a row now after the Forest game, despite Tarkovsky coming in for for Keane. Forest have been on a really good run of form, so much more of a test than, than Rotherham, and yet more positive signs that this team really knows how to win football matches. Sounds like an obvious thing to say, but they find a way. Um, yeah, no, I, I think we do find a way to win, and... Um... I think a big part of that is, is you know, what Dash instills in the side, you know, everything he says about the group. I think, um, you know, I think the team, you know, never give up. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately if, if we do get promoted, that'll be that'll be the reason why. We're really keeping teams at bay, aren't we, Natalie? And we mentioned earlier that against Rotherham, they only had one shot on target. It was the same against Forest. We're denying teams opportunities and the defence is so tight with an excellent goalkeeper behind them, we just don't look like we're going to concede a lot of goals. Or no, any goals. No, that's true, we don't. Um, it's interesting, really. There is always um, a nervy spell. And I, I, I broached this on Twitter last night. I'm not, I was quite confused by Deitch's comments last night in this post-match interview where he was saying that Turf Moor was edgy. I was like, no, it wasn't. Or, you know, it might have been behind his dugout, but that certainly wasn't the impression that I got from from the ground at all. I think certainly in the first half we were really enjoying the game. But there is always going to be a nervousness in this league when you're still at nil-nil, especially when you dominate the game. Look at Preston at home this year. We absolutely battered them. We were on top of the game. And then they just get a freak goal out of nowhere. They're probably their only chance that game. And they end up winning the game. So you can't take anything for granted in this division. Yes, the defence doesn't ever look like conceding. And I, I'm not usually that nervous at 1-0. I kind of think we can probably close them out and it will be fine. 
but you just don't know in this division. So I think, you know, we'll link that comment back to our discussions earlier where we should really look at killing off teams two or three nil just so we just why take that risk, just eliminate that possibility from the game altogether. I suppose if if there were any nerves I've chased it, it was probably due to there was a brief period, wasn't there, just before we scored where Hull, Middlesbrough and Brighton were all ahead, which would have meant meant us losing ground, whereas in the end all four teams at the top won. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're at the business end of the season now where I think, you know, somebody said this on on Twitter earlier on today. We're getting so close to the end of the season and promotion is the absolute goal. It's not even a, oh, let's wait and see, we'll try our best. It's what we're actually all aiming for. And we all want to get up there automatically. And if we start dropping points when Hull and Middlesbrough win and they've also got games in hand as well, we're just not going to get that automatic spot. So that's where that nervousness you know, crops in. And it's, it's always heightened by the fact that teams around you then start to, to win. I think those, those top two are so important as well, aren't we? Because I think historically, if you look at the teams that finish third, it's very rare they go up. And I think that's probably because they're, they'll go into their playoffs feeling really disappointed and quite low because they've missed out on the top two. Where you look at teams like maybe you finished fifth or sixth, who've just got into the playoff. They actually, they're on a real high because they've made it. Whereas I think if you, if you just miss out on the top, if we miss out on the top two now after such a, after been battling up there all season, it's going to be um, interesting to see how, how Dyke manage that because you're going to be quite down after missing that. So I think the finishing about top two is so important. How do you see it going at the moment, Kevin? Obviously we've got the, the longest unbeaten run in the league, but those games in hand that Hull and Middlesbrough got, some people are a little bit concerned about them. Middlesbrough have had a bit of a wobble, but they won after, I think they'd gone five without a win the other night. Yeah, I'm, I, I've, I've not been hugely confident all season. I've been, I've been looking forward to the playoffs uh, for most of the season, but I think in the last few weeks I've been really, really confident and I, I, I've been fully expecting us to, to win automatic promotion. Um, it was slightly disappointing to see Burr win um, on Tuesday and hopefully that's just a one-off and they can continue the little wobble um, of the other side of that because if they, can, if they start to get back to their earlier earlier season form then that could be problematic for us. Um, I, I'm still really confident. I think we're we're probably the strongest team in the league at the moment um, and yeah, I'm, I'm confident winning the top two um, at, at the moment, yeah. It's starting to look like two from four, isn't it, James, with Brighton on a really good run, although they lost heavily at Cardiff at the weekend. They've won four on the spin not that long ago, and a gap starting to open up the six points between Brighton and Sheffield Wednesday. But more pertinently, we've got an 11-point cushion down to seven, so it looks like top six is pretty much all but done when 70 points is normally enough for that, and we've all got 62 on the board already. I can't I can't see us slipping out of um, the top six now. You know, I think... Um... As far as what's going to happen, I think playoffs is guaranteed, and it's um, you know all to play for for top two, and I think we're we're well in the mix. Excellent, right? We've got all the rubbish football chat out of the way. Let's do the the bit of the podcast that people only tune in for. Natalie, it's obviously you. I don't even know what it is this week. It's sweet of the week. It is. I've kept you all in the dark this week. Um, 
Actually, I'm on the edge of my seat, actually. <laughs> oh, God, the pressure. Um, it has been a bumper week this week for Tweet of the Week, and quite probably because we've had sort of two games to, to look at. And it was really hard this week to, to narrow it down. So I'm going to give a shout out to a couple of contenders for, who didn't quite make Tweet of the Week, but deserve a bit of an honorary mention. Um, and it's spread across the two games. We had one came in from Pete Hutch, who tweeted board and night at the... Um, is it the Telegraph or is it the... Who does he work for again? Chris at the Express. Express, that's the one. Sorry, Chris. Um, he said, basically, the best back four in the championship, still unbeaten when they start a game, and another clean sheet. Fantastic. So I think that's just a nod to what we were talking about with our defensive lineup. Um, Tom Smith said, don't even need to say it anymore. Extending Joy Barton's contract is a must. Come on, Burnley official, pull it out of the bag. Oh, we're going to come on to that next. And Tom's no relation, by the way. Oh, okay, good. Good to know. <laughs> and then um, the final honorary mention is from Darren McCavitt. I hope I pronounced that right. Who says, Neil Warnock, School of Management, if you can't beat him, hurt him. Which I just amused me greatly. But Tweet of the Week this week is, is a much simpler tweet, actually. It's, but it's very short, Please, but very effective. And I suspect some... I probably chose this with the euphoria of last night and getting carried away by an absolute defensive talisman. It's from Joanne Cudworth, who was responding to the Lancashire Telegraph's request for um, the three-word match commentary, is it? So it's like a match summary in three words. And she simply says, Ben, me, outstanding. So that was my tweet of the week for this week, in recognition of our defensive star. Stealing tweets of the week from from local media that's an interesting approach oh no 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 <laughs> <laughs> she didn't tweet it she just she just did it in response sorry Suzanne it was it's a fair game it, you know she sent it in response okay, <laughs> I'm sure well. it's fine anyway um, leaving Natalie's 17 tweet of the week behind it seems to get more every week than tweet of the week um, as Tom mentioned I, I think Tom was third fourth place for tweet of the week this week I lost count apart from that week where she just couldn't be bothered finding anything. Had the worst tweet of the week ever. All, all tweets were terrible in that week, apparently. Anyway, Tom mentioned Joy Barton's. Joy Barton could be signing a new contract. Barton's been in the press saying he'd be keen to, to discuss it. Dash has said that he'd be keen to keep Barton around. It seems like a no-brainer. Um, James, I think we've done this briefly on the podcast before, but I assume you'd be delighted to see Barton commit for another year or two. Yeah, uh, I think, you know... Whether again promoted or not, it's a, it's a no-brainer to bring Barton back, um, and it, it seems like he doesn't, you know, he's happy to to do it before it's certain we're going to go up. Uh, um, so it, it shows he must be enjoying his football here. You know, he said previously that it's it's not anywhere near the same money he's earned in the past, but clearly, you know, there's there's something there that is more attractive than just money, and uh, it'd be great to have him with us for another year. The the only thing I can think of. Um for us not to do it immediately is that he has been playing so well recently maybe it's keeping his motivation up the fact that he's he's still playing for a contract I don't think he's the sort to have a new contract and then be like ah, I've got two years and a pair of eyes, that's it I don't have to try anymore but could that be something that's keeping his form up Natalie? Um, do I think that that's okay? Um, do you know what? Any other player and I'd say yes but I'm going to say, I'm going to say that's irrelevant for Joy Barton. And do you know why? Joy Barton is not short on confidence. He has got an ego that is huge. And he's in a stage in his professional life where he's really managed to rein that ego in. Ego in and he is 
channeling it into a really positive um, influence on his game. But he knows that Burnley Football Club will offer him a new contract. He will sign it because he wants to stay. So I, I don't think he's, I don't think his current performances are anything to do with trying to prove to the to the board that they need to sign him. I just think that he's found a place in his professional career where he's in a good place in his career. He suits the club. The club suits him. And it's bringing out the best in his ability. Plus, as well, he's playing in a league he really shouldn't be playing in. He's still a Premier League player and he's dropped down a division and he's a different class than half of the players. Well, I'd say 90% of the players in that championship. Fair enough. It was just the theory. Um, Kevin, he's doing a lot of media. He seems to be on TV or the radio all the time. And it came out this week that he's going to be working on a book with uh, Michael Calvin, who's a, a much acclaimed sports writer. He's clearly got a lot going on, but his focus on the pitch has been impeccable. Yeah, definitely. I think he's always he's always uh, been very confident, not just on the pitch but off the pitch as well. He's always uh, he's never shied away from 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 the media as he or, or, or making a making a name for himself. Um, but yeah, I think um, not just his performances on the field, but you all, every time you hear a, a a a player talking, they're always talking about how his influence um, outside off the pitch um, and just his influence on the pitch as well. I think I was listening to been listening to Claret's player. Um, few times in the last few weeks and when we've had a player who's not um, in the team doing the core commentary they've, they've always talked with such um, such passion almost about about his influence around the club um, both, both on and off the pitch which I think is fantastic um, I think regarding his contract I don't think it's anything to be concerned about um, I think we, we tend to be quite relaxed with our content, contact contract negotiations uh, here um, I think with Daesh's contract, I think we mentioned it, we've been talking about it for three, two or three months, um, and it was only, it was just formalities about getting it over. But it was just just took a while just to just to sit down and talk about it. So I think that's just something we'll do. I think we'll have a quick chat, sound each other out, and then just to get the contract done. I don't think there's any particular urgency at this stage. Um, so I think it's just I think it's just how we do our business. But there's no, there's no concern. It's just a, a talking point, isn't it, James? I think everyone's fairly confident that Barton's going to be at Turf Moor next season, regardless of whether we get promoted. Well, I think all the sounds coming from him and coming from uh, Dad would say that you know there's no risk. He's, he's going to go. He's going to walk if um, if both sides want it to happen. Excellent. Um, one last thing to touch on then. Lloyd Dyer, we talked about when he signed, but he's not been involved. So far, uh, Natalie, I suppose it's just a case of him getting dash fit, isn't it? We'll see him play a part, no doubt, in the coming weeks. Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, it's uh, well, well, I say that it's you know, would you change that side at the moment unless you know, unless somebody got injured, like you know, with the Keane situation? You know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that that team play for the rest of the season. But Dash doesn't tend to bring players in for no reason. Um, he usually has a plan for them, unless they are just genuinely being brought in for cover, um, and then you know he's he's been up front with them and told them they're not going to play. I, I, I just I, you know I think we will see him at some point. Yes. And Kevin, what what are your thoughts on Dyer? Is he just going to be someone to to have on the bench and then not bring on? Do you know? I think I think pretty much yeah. I think he's there um, for if we're if we're struggling for goal towards the end of a game. We can give him five ten minutes at the end just to give us some something completely different. I don't think he's, um, I don't think unless we're struggling the game, he's, he's going to come onto a field at all. Um, it could potentially, but I mean, I, I think the ideal situation would be that 
we don't see him play a single minute for us, which sounds a bit weird, but that would mean that we've not needed something different. We've been happy with with how it's going and we've we've not been struggling uh, and we're quite comfortable at top. That'd be uh, that'd be the ideal situation. But I think yeah, I think he's here because we've got nobody like him in, in the squad really. I think he's here to just to to give us that something different in the in the final five ten minutes if we need it. He's clearly an off the field signing, isn't he? As well, Dyer, and he's got experience with a couple of promotions. We've talked about how experience is so important, and we've got a lot of players who've been there and got out of the championship before. But Dash clearly values him as someone who can be useful in the dressing room. Which, is yeah, same, same as what you just said there, Kevin. It's not normally something you'd praise the football for if they're not playing, uh, being great in the dressing room. But it's it's always useful to have fresh blood and new ideas and a bit more enthusiasm come into the group and um, have an impact that way. Definitely, and I think what you said about the experience of promotion is is really key as well, because I think that's something what Sean Dyche says when we signed um, when we signed Joey Barton. I think the first thing he said in a press conference was, Joey Barton knows how to get promoted out of this league, and that's why that's why I brought him in. I think that, that that's a really um, important thing for, for Dyche, and I think it's probably similar to what he did last season with... Um, with those two players, with Taylor and the other one who we brought in, I can't remember. Um, the, the former Blackburn player. Um, Paul Robinson. Um, no, the one we got last season, the midfielder who did nothing all season, played about four minutes. Um, but essentially, you know, it brought I thought those no two idea players. who you're on about. I don't know who on about. <laughs> Have you dreamt this? Yeah, no, we signed a player and he came on tackled someone against Man United. That was his entire contribution. Oh, yeah, this rings bell. Who was he? It's the return of another quiz. Stephen Reid. Stephen Reid. That's the one, yes. yes. That was great, that. That must be yes. outstanding podcasting. <laughs> well, yeah. We can't, we, we're such Burnley experts, we can't remember the name of someone who played for us a few months ago. <laughs> In fairness, <laughs> that, that probably is a sign of how little impact Stephen Reid had that we totally forgot yeah. he existed. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think um, you know that that experience of, of of being in and around the bottom end of the, of the Premier League was probably um, part of the reason why him and him and Taylor came to the club last season. Uh, and yeah, I think it's a similar thing with 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 Dyer this season. Okay, looking ahead then um, to the weekend, a trip to Bolton, whatever their stadium's called, this week, and James have had a stay of execution, so the club isn't going to be wound down. Um, before we go there, a lot of fans were apparently concerned that they might not get the, the ticket money back. Um, and apparently they don't have a goalkeeper at the moment because their goalkeeper got injured on Tuesday night. All looks like a, a fairly comfortable win for Burnley again. Yeah, you'd, you'd think so. Um, you know, they they had a win a little while ago and it looked like maybe they could, they could turn it. Well, you know, I'd don't know what's the right way to describe what's happening there. I think they've, they've so far done a little bit better than you would have expected um, from the beginning of the season. But I don't know whether part of that is just how badly um, other teams have done to, to join them at the depth. Because I think the bottom three, um, you can't see a way out for any of them now, I'd, I'd say. Um, and obviously Bolton got beat again the other night. Um, they got a draw against QPR, which I think was a, a bit of a surprise. But really, I think they're a team that we're going to put away. And uh, I think some of the fans will be turning to the game hoping we have mercy, really. There seems to be constantly something going on there. Obviously, there's been 
um, the threat of administration, now there's a takeover deal apparently going on. Neil Lennon left out um, their best striker. It says probably their best striker, Gary Medine. Um, probably says a lot about their situation that Gary Medine's such an important player for them when he's absolutely awful. Um, but he was left out for disciplinary reasons. Um, it's it's difficult for the players in this situation, isn't it, Natalie? But is there any sympathy for for Bolton's fans? Obviously, there's there's some residual bitter bitterness from some Burnley fans over obviously what happened with Owen Coyle. There is no sympathy at all. I am. I know you and I have brutal. I thought I thought you were just going to stop there. There is no sympathy at all. No. Bang. Yeah. Bye bye. Let's move on. I um. I know you and I have disagreed with this in the past. I think you're you're a little bit perhaps more relaxed about this than me. And see, you know, as it is what it is. It's part and parcel of the game. I am still firmly and now speak on behalf of all of the bitter clarets who are still out there. And still, exactly, and are still furious at that whole debacle. I just, I just think it's just a, just a mess. They seem to have taken, they seem to have taken over from Leeds actually as the laughing stock of the, the championship, and it's just, you know, they bleated on for such a long time. They were ten years. It was the famous, they're ten years ahead of us, and what a well-run professional outfit they are. And obviously, they're just, it's just. I mean, I think it, just in summary of that, just to make it absolutely clear, you know, I say this with all respect um, for the sadness of the passing of their chairman, but the question was, do I have any sympathy for the fans as to what's happened for the club? And, and no, I don't. And I, and I don't believe in a similar situation they would have any sympathy for us if the tables were turned. OK. Um, Kevin, obviously it's been a difficult season for Bolton with their owner. I think Eddie Davies has decided he doesn't want to put any more money in. Essentially, that's that's what started off their problem. They owe a lot of money to him. Um, obviously, Phil Gartside's been ill and then he's passed away. All this distracts from the matter at hand, which is getting results on the pitch. Um, but it looks like Le- Bolton are going to be a League One club next season now. And we we were talking five, six years ago about them being ten years ahead. It's it's a sign of how quickly things can change in football when a club that looks stable and well run can go down the pan that quickly. Definitely, yeah, um, and particularly as I think I think Bolton were one of the clubs where. Um, we were we were told to to aim towards um, in terms of, of how we wouldn't be a, a, a turning into a solid Premier League club. Um, so, but yeah, it it just shows you know if you you, you spend a few years in the Premier League, um, you, you you rack up these these big bills and then you come down you you can't you just can't maintain them, um, which which is it's, it's a sign of, of football as it is now. But the gap is is opening up between the leagues, particularly the, the Premier League and the Championship. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll end with predictions as we always do. Then Kevin, we'll start with you. Burnley at Bolton on Saturday, with everything going on there, and Burnley in such good form. You see anything apart from a Burnley win? Um, no, I think it's. I think it could be the return of the Andre Gray hat trick, the real return this time. <laughs> um, and I, I think it could be our biggest win of the season. Biggest win in the season. Lofty, lofty, lofty claims there. Kevin, what about you? What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm not going to be that confident purely because um, I think we've we've not been um, as as impressive away from home um, as we could be. I think we're I think we're still mid top half in terms of our away form, whereas we're second best in the league at, at, at home. So yeah, we're going to win the game. I'm going to go two 0 though. 
Natalie, I've got a, a couple of minutes on the clock for you to go over your... your <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we put this to bed last week. We're done with the river. It, it's over. It's finished. We, we let it go. So we, we're back to normal, sensible predictions now. Normal, um, sensible predictions. Well, <laughs> Should be the tagline for the Non-Ed Ever podcast. <laughs> as sensible as it can be coming from me anyway. Um, I'm I'm a little apprehensive about the game because this is the kind of game that you know you can you can put in the banana skin category they will have added i think if they can get up for a game you know i think they'll have added incentive to, to beat us just to knock us off our perch and you know there is a bit, of, a bit of animosity between the clubs and the fans so i'm not expecting it to be a particularly easy ride but i think our skill on the pitch will just prove too much to them and i'm going to say a very comfortable two nil i don't really know what to make of this part of me wants to go with james and be like yeah it's going to be easy i think if we get an early goal, we could rack up a few, but it could easily be a tight one as well. So I'm going to sit firmly on the fence, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to win the game. Uh, but that's about it for this week's podcast. Next week, we'll be back to talk about the derby at Bolton. Not real derby, of course. The real derby is coming up, and we'll be looking ahead to that very soon on the podcast as well. Um, thanks to Natalie, James and Kevin for joining me this week. If you've got any feedback or want to get in touch with us at the podcast for any reason, please do. You can email us. Address is podcast at net, and you can also tweet us at net. Natalie will be keeping an eye on the tweets on uh, hashtag Twitter characters and tweets to us and tweets to herself all week for the cover to the Tweet of the Week award, which is maybe getting downgraded a little bit by the sheer number of tweets getting mentioned. Uh, we'll next try, week, we'll try, just be back to one next try week. Try and get it down to one for next week. I will. Just <laughs> a couple of honorary mentions this week, but we're back next week. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring out more there. A couple more no, honorary no, no, mentions. No, 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 They were good. It's been a bumper week. Ready where it's due. All tweets that were posted on Twitter on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for this week. Thanks for everyone who's listened. Please get in touch. If you've got any feedback, criticism, concerns, praise, whatever, please do get in touch. But we'll be back next week. Goodbye. I did James Birdie's here. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.